to the Consecrating Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Elena Burto. Today, joining me is one of my best friends, Flor Maya Anderson. She and I met because we were mission companions in the California Modesto Mission. We served together in Spanish. Together, we discuss her journey while suffering with mental health issues. I'm here with my friend, Flor. And she is a Mexico native, but she has lived in Katy, Texas since she was four. She lives with her amazing husband and wonderful puppy, Link. She works as a teacher's aide and is finishing her degree to become a teacher herself. She has bipolar depression and ADHD. And do you have anxiety too? Mm hmm. Okay. Sounds, yeah, same. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Hashtag, why do you think we became best friends? <laughs> we met each other because we were mission companions. Um, yes. I don't know if Elena remembers this, <laughs> but I have this really fond memory of Elena. And she might, like, turn red from me telling this. But um, there was a time where Elena being the musical goddess that she is uh-huh. um started playing the piano at church and just like this member came up to her and just was like talking to her about it and i just i don't know what it was about the way she answered she was just like very peaceful about it and she was just like yeah this is my favorite hymn i've you know, I've played this hymn forever and just was like, I love it, da da da. And I just remember looking at you and being like, That's my companion and I felt the <laughs> spirit right there. And it, it wasn't even like a big thing. It was just that's my Elena. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> well that and um let it be known we were also companions the last six months of our mission together yeah last I think four and a half months yeah four and a half I say Mm -hmm. six because it felt like you know (laughs) we had all this fun together and we might have been goofy we might have been yeah but I mean we still worked hard let me make that that's what I was gonna say yes (laughs) by golly you better believe we were knocking on those doors and riding those bikes even if it meant that our skirts were like flying off (laughs) like (laughs) we we were on those bikes daily knocking those doors So I think I told you this a while ago, but it's so funny to me. So we had given some of the English elders a referral because we just like contacted some people on the street. Uh And then later that night they called us and they, they said, oh yeah. So we, we contacted that referral that you gave us and they invited us back. They must've found us attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Um, Remember that time? we were riding our bikes and I had this like food in one hand and I'm like riding my bike with one hand and like carrying food because I had my bag and you're just like you're doing great hermana and I'm like uh hermana I don't know if this is safe because I think we got a phone call too and I had the phone at that time too and I was like hermana I don't know who's calling us but (laughs) should I answer and you're like really hermana really (laughs) 
Oh, wow. I don't remember that. Miss, um, hey, can you eat my food for me? <laughs> oh, yes. Because I have the smallest stomach in the world, and I would just give all my food to, to Flor. Yeah, I gained <laughs> a lot of weight during that <laughs> time. Oh, I guess. All right. Um, why don't you just tell me about your mental health journey? Like, what has it been like for you to have these issues? I think you and I have the same conversation where, like, we both have very Latin parents. And so, like, mental health in the Latin community is, like, not a thing. Mm-hmm. And it just recently came in. So I, I'd never even, like think I heard of mental health until um, my mission um, because you and I served together obviously Um, (laughs) and it wasn't till the MTC where I kind of had like this breakdown and I didn't know what was happening and I was like oh my goodness what is going on with me I'm crawled up into a ball I'm crying like a little baby and literally nothing has happened to me like what is going on um and from there like I had a roommate at the time in the MTC who was like hey I think you're having an anxiety attack and I was like what is even an anxiety attack like you know Mm-hmm. And it just kind of kept going on my mission and like, <clears throat> like I got medication for it and everything. Um, and then I got home and, you know, certain people weren't really supportive of it. So it was just kind of like, uh, okay, I guess I'm doing this on my own kind of thing. And it wasn't till I got married and started living with my husband that we were like, wait a minute you might be a little weird for and I was like yeah I'm a little weird but I didn't think (laughs) I was that weird Uh um and then recently like a year or two ago I got diagnosed with um bipolar depression so I have like really high highs and really low lows and then literally two no not even two weeks ago I went to the doctor again and they're like by the way I think you have ADHD too. And I was like, that explains why I'm so hyperactive, you know? Right. What does an anxiety attack look like for you? Um, so there's two different kinds of anxiety attacks for me. Mm-hmm. Off of medication, it looks like Flora in the fetal position, crying her eyes out, trying to figure out where in the world she is. And so, mm-hmm. like, that's not as common I found out, like, that's a really intense one, Mm -hmm. but, like, a simple anxiety attack is, like, I'll get anxious, and I'll get really shaky, and um, I'll start, like, snapping my fingers a lot, like, I'll do repetitive motions a lot, just so that, like, I guess it's my, my body's way of being, like, this is the thing I can control like let me control it kind of thing so I've realized that's kind of what anxiety looks to me if that makes sense yeah yeah I see and then okay tell me about bipolar depression because I've heard of like bipolar disorder and depression but I've never heard of bipolar depression so tell me about that so basically like you you get depressed but like when it comes to bipolar depression like you just 
when you're happy, you're one kind of like happy. You're like, woohoo. And you know, you're like this very happy person, very outgoing, very, but then when you're depressed, it's like you do like a 180, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're a shy person. You don't want to live, like, you don't want to like get out of your room. So it's just a very like, depends on the day if I'm like happy energetic for or I'm just depressed and sad for (laughs) which I mean we've talked about before okay so then how how have you coped with these things you mentioned medication which I think is huge but how else honestly talking to people about it Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the bigger things growing up was that I never heard anyone say, oh, I have mental health. Oh, I have this. Oh, I have that. Oh, I have this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was like this very big stigma of like, oh, you have mental health, you must be crazy. Or, oh, you have mental health, there's something wrong with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And just like actually talking to people and being like, I have mental health. You can't tell that I have a mental health issue, but like, I have it and I can live a normal life and I can do this. Like just being very honest with people has been like a really good coping mechanism for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, don't know. Actually. Yeah. I think being vulnerable is a huge part of like the healing process. Oh, and, yeah. and I mean, when you talk about it, you realize that you're not alone. Like it's so common. I think maybe like one in four people or something like that suffer with mental health issues so it's like you're definitely not alone oh yeah and I was like doing some studies and I think more than 50% of people will have some sort of mental health issue whether it be permanent or not by the time they they pass away like that's Mm -hmm. just the thing that's gonna happen and it's nothing like to be ashamed of you know for sure. Um, so I think a lot of people with depression, they often f- don't feel the spirit. What would you say, like, for somebody who feels like God isn't hearing them or isn't, or th- they feel like giving up? So I've actually gone through that a lot because mm-hmm. before I, so I'll be honest, I um, have had a hard time taking medication because like I said, like, I grew up with the stigma that my, that, like, people would think I'm crazy if I took medication, and so when I don't have medication, or when, like, someone else doesn't have medication, or doesn't talk to someone, their brain's off, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like you're just in the autopilot, and just, that's, it sounds so primary, like, answer, and it sounds so, like, obviously go do this but like when you're in a depressed state getting on your knees and saying heavenly father where are you has Mm -hmm. really been a helpful thing it's a really big thing of I realize that I am not in a mental capacity to take care of myself And maybe it sounds like God isn't listening to me, but that's when I need to cry out more and be like, Heavenly Father, please be there. 
-hmm. And even in the scriptures, there's so many times where there's like prophets that say, you know, I was depressed. And like a couple scriptures later, they're like, so I cried out to the Lord. And I think Mm -hmm. if the prophets and everybody else that we're supposed to be looking up to can be like, hey, I was depressed. And Mm -hmm. you know what I did? I went and talked to the Lord. Like that should be our sign that that's what we should be doing too if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah for sure yeah I love that thank you I think in I've I've asked for priesthood blessings and stuff when I'm depressed and that definitely helps but then on top of that I think it also helps to just remember a time where you felt the spirit really strong to just Mm -hmm. reflect back like even if it was years ago I think even something like that helps me to know that at least God knew that I was Oh, he was aware of me in that moment. And so I know he's still aware of me now. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. And I don't know if you remember this, but um, our mission president, President Palmer, used to tell us to um, sing a hymn. Mm -hmm. And I remember when he first said that to me, I was like, President Palmer, I'm pretty sure you're just trying to make us like remember what we're teaching you know Mm -hmm. but as I've realized like how intense my depression is sometimes just like one of my favorite hymns is I know my redeemer lives and just saying the words hey I know that my redeemer lives I know this I know that just is like a constant reminder that I'm not alone that there's someone here who's there for me and not only that but like our Redeemer knows exactly what we are going through because mm-hmm. that's the whole point of him coming to earth was that we needed someone else because, I mean, we can't do it on our own. And to just mm-hmm. be like, be able to f- actually have someone to cry out to and be like, I'm suffering all of this and like know in our mind that they know exactly the feeling you're going to you know Mm -hmm. because like you and I can talk about it and I can tell you hey I'm really depressed because so a b and c and d but like you might not have ever gone through that and like Mm -hmm. you can show empathy and you can be sympathetic for me but like Mm -hmm. knowing that God went through it with you is just kind of a reminder that you're not alone on that journey yeah for sure so you touched on this before a little bit, but so when people don't suffer with brain health challenges, they can be really skeptical and judgmental of those who do suffer with these things. So how do you suggest people be more compassionate and understanding of these things? Um, I think it's just kind of like every, you know how we have a lot of things going on in the world and the only real way you can know what's going on or you can ask, you know, like (laughs) that sounds so dumb, but I would much rather someone be like, Hey, Floor, you have bipolar depression. You have like anxiety and all of this stuff. Like, what does that feel like? Or like, you know, what goes through your mind? Cause I feel like people just kind of assume they know what's going on in my head or assume Mm -hmm. they know like who I am. But I mean, just as much as like you breaking your arm or you being in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, like those are obvious physical 
you know, things that you're going through, but you can't like Mm -hmm. really explain what's going in your head. So for someone, first of all, to say, I see you are struggling or I see you, please tell me, you know, how you are feeling is such a big thing. Like Mm -hmm. I cannot repeat that enough. Like ask how to help. Like don't just be quiet about it. Just be like, Hey, is it okay if I ask you about your mental health? Because I promise you, most of the time people want to be like, yes, someone I can talk to about my mental health. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think, and just like you said, it's kind of like, I mean, I've never broken a bone before. I still believe people when they tell me that they've broken their bone, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, I could ask them about it and stuff like that too, so exactly like I mean I'm not gonna pretend that I know how you know breaking a bone feels or I'm not Mm -hmm. gonna pretend I know how to how giving birth feels I'm gonna ask (laughs) people who've been through it like so if that's totally applicable for other people why isn't it applicable for us like you know right it's like Jane Clayson Johnson who she wrote a book about um, depression and stuff and she mentioned Like, it's not like we can wear a bandage around our head, even though our, like, something really is wrong with our brain. But unfortunately, we can't really, like, show it the same way other, you know, physical ailments are shown. So there just needs to be that understanding and that curiosity about it, I guess. I know. If you have a mental health, don't be afraid about it, you Mm -hmm. know, because I feel like that makes it worse. Just be true to who you are and just... I have no problem going up to someone and being like, hi, my name's Floor, and I have bipolar depression and I have ADHD. Like, it's it's part of who I am, you know? Like, I'm not going to hide who I am to someone just because, you know, I'm shy or anything. If Mm -hmm. they ask, I, I have no problem being like, yeah. And it's just, it's the same way, like, someone has autism or something else. It's okay to admit it. it. It definitely needs to be shared more. I agree. Although living the gospel of Jesus Christ, it doesn't cure mental health problems, obviously, but how has the gospel helped you cope with your anxiety? I, you kind of already touched on this, but do you have anything else to say? I'll be honest. I'm going to throw um, you under the bus here a little bit. All right. <laughs> well, not really throw you under the bus, but whatever. Friends, in the church oh my goodness I can't explain how like first of all if you don't know Elena like she's the best person in the whole wide world like (laughs) and I think us being friends and you and I I mean I'll call you up randomly or you'll call me up and be like my goodness my depression is like killing me can I just talk to you about how crazy I'm going because when you have a friend that just kind of has the same values as you, mm-hmm. it makes it so much easier to be like, yeah, I'm going through this. And yeah, like, it's hard. But here's my friend who also is going through this mm-hmm. and knows, like, what I believe, knows what I stand for, and can just kind of be like, you're not on your own. You know, I'm here for you. And, you know, just finding that, like, one-on-one friend who you can be like, 
I love you and I can tell you anything and like for me like calling you up has been such a like breath of fresh air and I think we've always kind of just gotten gotten along really well and just having that person there that you can be like yes I have my husband and yes I have my family but oh my goodness I also have this friend who I don't feel like a crazy person around you know okay yeah I that was not the answer I was expecting but I love that because I think first of all I think if I didn't have the gospel or the church like I wouldn't have as many friends either because I live in Utah and I wouldn't even know my neighbors if I didn't go to church with them and stuff and it's like but also I think that living the gospel of Jesus Christ means that you actually care about other people like I think that's the most important thing you it doesn't matter so much like like I will okay maybe let me rephrase that actually (laughs) like (laughs) like to me it's like yes you can you can be a scriptorian and all that but like what really matters is how you treat other people that's like that's the whole point of having the gospel so I love that you said that yeah, and it's that whole principle, and again, going back to president, um, our mission president, right? Mm-hmm. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Like, mm-hmm. you can yell scriptures and stuff at me all day long, and it, I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to go in one ear and out the other one. Mm-hmm. But if I know that, you know hey, Flora, I'm talking to you and and maybe I'm being super spiritual right now, mm-hmm. but I'm showing you that I love you. You better believe I'm going to sit there and be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, maybe this could, like, be important to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, why don't we wrap it up here? Um, what does it mean for you to consecrate your life to your Redeemer, Jesus Christ? I think it comes down to remembering who I am at the end of the day like you and I joke a lot or I'll joke around about like my mental health or this or that but I think for me at least consecrating my life is remembering that I was put on this earth for a purpose that purpose is to you know remember who my redeemer is and remember everything he did for me and so just keeping in mind that I'm here for a purpose and whether it be you know helping whoever that purpose is important it kind of has to be my driving force you know Mm -hmm. like if if I'm not having that driving force of I have a purpose here to bring people to Christ, even if it's by the simplest thing of opening a door, then what am I doing, you know? Yeah, I love that you mentioned remembering because I think a lot of times applying the gospel can just be something that we remember. It doesn't have to be like adding to our list of things to do, but just remembering is huge, so. Oh yeah, definitely. Like if you read the scriptures, Jesus Christ's teachings never say, go move mountains, you know? That's true. It says, love yourself, love me, thy God, and love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. I think that's the most important thing is just loving 
loving God, loving yourself, and loving your neighbor. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Of course, anything for one of my favorite companions. <laughs> I love you so much. Yeah, I love you. I feel like the way I said I love you back sounded so insincere, but I really do love her a lot. Um, thanks to my friend Flor for joining me on the podcast. And thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating or comment and subscribe to the Consecrating Your Life podcast. See you next time. Thank you.